second season this will be the first episode second season of time to wind down i am your host jeff hall today we are fortunate enough to have a very special guest he is a trumpeter with a very diverse uh wide range of influences he's recorded with the dixie chicks which on um that have won multiple grammy nominated and winning uh, recordings um, on Taking the Long Way, which won five Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year back in and in 2007. John Beasley's Monkestra, which has garnered six Grammy nominations for its three albums. The Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, Scott Healy's uh, Tenet, and Kim Richmond's Concert Jazz Orchestra. He's also performed and recorded with the Goo Goo Dolls, Michael Bublé, my favorite person in the world, Kelly Clarkson, John Legend, Jennifer Nettles, Robin Thicke, St. Motel, Patti LaBelle, Natalie Cole, Diane Reeves. It goes on and on and on. He's also, uh, since 2005, Swartz's proudly held the trumpet chair in Oingo Boingo, former members. He is also a founding member of the Los Angeles Jazz Collective, a nonprofit organization whose mission is the promotion of original jazz in Los Angeles and abroad. Brian has released five jazz albums as the leader. There's Only Me from 2000, Live at the Jazz Bakery, 2005, Three in 2006, and Portraiture in 2014. Not to forget to be with you, 2020, his most recent. As an arranger, Brian has written his for his own big man, Ruthie Foster, the Ron Jones Influence Orchestra, and Moore Park College, and has served as staff arranger for the Luckman Jazz Orchestra, John Beasley's Monkestra, Oingo Boingo, former members, and the ABC TV show Duets. Without further ado, Brian Swartz. Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, really happy to be here, Jeff. Thank. I hope I got some of that correct. <laughs> I think I think we can just end the podcast right here. Everybody knows everything about me now. Thank you for like not making me say any of that. <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I try and help out as best as possible. <laughs> oh. Needless to say, you've had a uh, very busy career. <laughs> I've been very, very fortunate, very lucky. Yes, thank you. Uh, that's awesome. It's first of all, I absolutely love your albums, um, and most definitely the, the most recent one to be with you is one of my favorites. So oh, awesome. thank you. And it's your first one where you've done the the voice work, correct? Correct. Or done the vocals, yeah. not voice work. It's not not TV recording, but um, it was work. Let me tell you, it was work. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that is this is my. It's the first album that I that I sang on. Um, 
so um, that kind of came about from uh, having a, a gig with a with my quartet um, in downtown LA for um, for about seven years. I was playing every Tuesday night in downtown LA at a, a restaurant called Perch, um, which was a rooftop restaurant. We're out every Tuesday night. Uh, playing on the roof of this, uh, on the fifteenth floor of this, uh, of this building, uh, right by Pershing Square, out, you know, just with all of the, you know, skyscrapers of downtown LA surrounding us uh, as a backdrop. Yeah. So, so have you wanted to do vocals on your work? Has that been something you've wanted to do? You know, it's it's really funny because. Until um, about seven or eight years ago, I used to have a joke that I would tell people that I was a, I was a backup singer. When I sing, people back up, <laughs> and uh, and so I was never, uh, I never felt as though uh, it, it came from, uh, uh, you know, I, I I had gotten traumatized when I was in jazz choir in college by, you know actually a bad relationship with another vocalist that was in the choir <laughs> and uh, and uh and it kind of just made ah, i don't want to i don't want to sing anymore so yeah. since uh since since i was in college which was you know we're talking 30 plus years ago now so i was uh i was kind of like ah, i don't want to sing and then you know gradually i every once in a while somebody would ask me if i would if i could sing and or if I could sing background on something and then you start doing it and then you start enjoying it. And then, and then, um, then you start doing it too much and they tell you to stop. Uh, <laughs> but, but what actually happened, uh, for this particular gig was that I, um, I had written a song, the second song on the album, which is called, um, I could fall in love with her. could fall in love with her I often do quite undeterred silly sentimental me I fall in love each time I see I had written that song and I was hanging out with a friend of mine, a bass player in Los Angeles, and um, Nick Rosen. And he, we were hanging out, and I said, hey, dude, I just wrote the song. Check this out. And he goes, wow, that sounds like a Cole Porter tune. Um, uh, you know what? I might, I might have a gig for you. Uh, and he said, uh, could, you do a, could you do a whole night of singing? Because I need a male singer for this restaurant. He was booking Perch. So... Um, I said, you know what? I hadn't, I haven't done that, but I think I'm, I'd be willing to do that to put together. If I were, if I were completely in control of who I was, who was in the band, right. if I was leading the band, if I, and if I, um, if I were writing the arrangements myself that we were going to play and maybe writing the songs, yeah, I think I would be into doing that. If I were maybe at the mercy of somebody else, you know, telling me what songs to sing, I might not be as into it. Gotcha. So. Um, so with that, you know, inspiration, I kind of like took on this, you know, this gig and, and like I said, it, you know, we, with, it was just going to be a three month residency, you know, and then we just never got fired. 
<laughs> I mean, until the pandemic hit, you know, when everybody got fired. So, yeah. So, um, so that was kind of the inspiration for me doing an album. Is I I played every week with this same, you know, essentially the same four musicians. Uh, well, three other musicians and and um and i developed a repertoire of songs and um and wrote songs specifically to do with this band so um and then the band just got so good that i was i, I was like I, I have to record this i'd been thinking about recording it first you know after just a couple of years and then i finally got to the point where i, I was like i have to record this i need to yeah. put this out yeah, that way more people other than people at the perch can enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, it, it, the, and the other thing about it is that um, it being a restaurant, it wasn't, I didn't have to draw any particular amount of people. You know, it was a very popular restaurant. It still is a very popular restaurant. They're surviving. I just spoke to somebody over there last week. And, um, and, um, you know they have fantastic food great you know great service and again like the views are just amazing there so like um but um again it was there wasn't any pressure on me to draw you know 30 people tonight you know yeah. to sell tickets or anything like that but you know and so the trade off is uh there might not also be that many people specifically listening to you <laughs> right, right. Yeah. you know it was kind of like background music but what i decided very early on is the way i was going to treat that is i was going to present the highest level of music that i possibly could and if people decided they were going to listen to it they could sit down and go oh wow that's you know oh why wasn't i oh i thought that was because they would play the music all the way through the restaurant and so um a lot of people would come up. I mean, time after time just came up to me. We just thought they were playing music, you know, speakers. music on the speakers right. and that, you know, we didn't know there was even a band out here doing this. So, okay. um, uh, you know, which honestly for playing live is, is pretty much a compliment that you're not, you're not doing something that's so obtrusive and attention grabbing, but when you sit and listen to it, you go, it will take you, it will grab your attention, you know? Yeah. So, so it was um it was a lot of fun to do that. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we'll get back to that kind of we're going to put a pin in that for a minute. I guess that's I think that's how they say that. In the, that's the lingo. Um but I want what I kind of want to get into first is kind of your the history, based your history. Um what made you decide you want, you know, just going back to like what made you decide to play the trumpet? Like what of all the musical instruments available, what what led you to want to play the trumpet? Well, first of all, my father was a trumpet player uh, for the for the Air Force. He was a a, a career musician in the Air Force. So um, his uh, he spent thirty years in the Air Force uh, in the in the band, and so um, and he was primarily a trumpet player. Later in his career, he did less playing and was more administrative and did more conducting also. Um, and, um, and so I was just around music and musicians my whole life. So it was very natural to me to be around that entire, entire thing. I mean, I, I, and I can remember the very, in fact, I, 
I still have the very first trumpet that I played. It's actually stand, sitting right over here. But um, I can remember being in like preschool or kindergarten, and I and they and I was supposed to recite "Little Boy Blue, Come Blow Your Horn." Oh, okay. And my parents thought it was funny. Hey, you know, give him a trumpet, and when he, you know, when he's done reciting this, he can just, you know, something <laughs> at the end. And and I remember very vividly doing that, you know, making some sound, and of course, it got a laugh. But um, uh, uh, so that like, if you want to ask, when's the first time I played the trumpet? It was probably then. Okay. But so, but I really started when I was in, um, I think fifth grade, okay. uh, elementary school in, this is in Nebraska. Okay, we were okay. stationed at, uh, off at air force base in, you know, in, uh, Bellevue, Nebraska. And, um, um, I, I, I decided, you know, it was, uh, they were asking the kids if they wanted to play an instrument. So I decided I wanted to play the trumpet. Um, and of course my you know we had a trumpet in the house so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like you had to go get one right uh, so probably were thankful like oh this is not the saxophone so we don't have to go rent one or buy one <laughs> yeah I, it, was, it was an obvious choice for me i didn't i didn't have to toil over it or something like oh yeah i don't know i want to play the trumpet so um and but i for some reason i i i think as a child, you know, and I and I remember my son, I think, going through this when he was taking piano lessons when he was young, that he didn't think that the lessons were serious enough. You know, like he was learning children's songs and stuff like that, and he just thought, ah, this is, you know, and so he wouldn't work on that, you know. Um, and um, But then when it got to be something a little more difficult, a little more serious, he would actually work on it, and you wouldn't have to tell him to practice. Well, I think that was the same for me, because what happened was I played... For about six months, like the first half of the school year, and and I quit because I was like, oh, man, this just this this doesn't sound the way that I think it's supposed to sound. I don't want to say that it's stuck, but I mean they're kids, you know, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I quit, and then the next school year they had a new band teacher, and um, they didn't have any trumpet players, and one of my friends, um, David Critchlow. He's 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 a, he's a Facebook friend of mine. Uh, he he was playing clarinet and and he said Brian played last year. You should get him to play trumpet because he could do it. You know, you just got to, you know. And then from then on I I kind of like understood, oh, there's a need for this. It's it, I just need to work on it, you know. Setting the foundation. Yeah, so um uh so then so then I really did start, you know, I didn't I haven't stopped since then. So, um, um, and, um, and then when I got, you know, when I, we moved to, uh, the San Francisco Bay area, mm -hmm. um, in the middle of my sixth grade year and, and, um, which was the top of the elementary school in Nebraska, but it was the beginning of middle school in yeah. Northern yeah. California. Yeah. So I went through this weird transition of in the middle of the school year where everybody else had a locker and had been going to, you know, six, seven periods. And I didn't understand any of that. So I had a big transition, but, um, but anyway, I, but I could really just latch onto the band like right away. I was just like, okay, wow. And so I really got into playing in, in the middle school band there. It was very good. Um, 
I but I was playing sports and and things like that, you know, playing little league baseball and in middle school I did wrestling and football. And um and then when I got to high school, uh I I I went I I tried out for the for the football team. Mm-hmm. And uh I went to the tryout and they they said, "Oh, we you know, you got good hands and you're quick and you like to block, so we want you to play tight end." I'm like, Great. I'd love to do it. They give me the pads, the helmet. I go home. I fantasize. I got to talk my mom into it because she does not want me to play football. Right. And um, next day I go to band or I go to the football practice and I have my trumpet case with me and it wouldn't fit in my gym locker. And so I went up to the to the coach. I said, hey, can I put my trumpet case in your office? And he goes, what you're you're in the band? You can't be in the band and be on the football team at the same time because the practices are at the same time and the band plays at the football games and you can't do both. And I said, "All right, I'll see you." And that <laughs> and that was it. I from that point on I was playing trumpet and that was I didn't dedicate my mind to almost anything else, you know, including schoolwork. Right. So <laughs> so like yeah, so, and I had a couple of teachers, um, you know, my dad would get me teachers from from the Air Force bands that we were, you know, that he was in, because my dad was not a teacher, and, and also your dad teaching was kind of weird. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, mine was a mine was our Cub Scout leader, or DIN leader, or whatever, one year, and yeah. he, was a, he was in the Marines, so imagine a former drill instructor <laughs> trying to lead a a group of nine-year-olds to, and and expect them to sit and pay attention. <laughs> it was a very, very I'm just, rough, it was a very, very rough. rough year I'm just year picturing full metal jacket, but with the, uh, with the uh, Cub Scouts, you know, there's just a smoking involved. That's all. <laughs> smoking. <laughs> yeah. The, I remember, I remember he lit a candle and basically if we could, if the candle stayed lit, he would buy us pizza or something like that. Basically tried to bribe us slash reward us. Um, I oddly enough was not the one he had to worry about, which is honestly at first, cause I'm one of those kids growing up that can never sit still. Mm. But I guess with him being the den leader, I had to, I tried to behave a little bit cause I didn't want to have to hear about it after it was over. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to be exemplary. Yeah. So I've been told. <clears throat> <laughs> that one, I think <laughs> both of them are. So here we are. But yeah, well, that, that's where I think I was lucky is that, yeah, my dad was in the military, but he was in the band. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like I didn't, we didn't have that militant, you know, attitude or that strict, you know, attitude. So, and plus the Air Force is a little bit different than mm-hmm. the Marines. Oh, a, chill, a chill. little bit different. Just a, just to hear more chill. <laughs> yeah, a little. Yeah so yeah so that's that's you know so i had a i had a very i guess you could say it was a you know a very happy and uh you know um i never i never had any really want for anything when i was a kid i didn't you know we weren't you know we weren't wealthy but we were okay you know um and uh we always you know we always had a house i was the youngest of four you know I shared a room with my brother until, but I, but uh, by the time I was in high school, all the other kids were already moved out. So I was kind of an only child at that point. 
during my teen years. Did any of your other siblings play musical instruments? My oldest brother still plays piano and, um, and, um, did, did very well, uh, with it. He kind of chose like a, uh, a career in playing, um, you know, top 40 music in, in, uh, in hotels and bars and stuff like that. And, 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 um, because he grew up, um, he graduated in 77 from high school. So he really, um, understands all of the electronic technology of keyboards, like to a degree that I've, I don't think I've ever known anybody else to know how you know the amount that my brother knows about keyboards it's it's a, it's it, and and anytime i ever have an, a a question about it he has an answer it's you know because he just he just under, you know he's been in, involved in the in in synthesizer technology and midi and and you know analog synths and and digital and all of that since the beginning of its technology so wow that's awesome yeah that's amazing so what made you decide that did you just always know like after graduating like I'm going to keep playing trumpet like this is going to be my chosen path or did, yeah. did you or was it like something you kind of came to a little bit later No I well it's a it's kind of a mixed bag for me because um I I did know that it is what I wanted to do very early and 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 so I was I was set, you know, I had set my mind on that path, you know, all, all through high school. And I was, although since I didn't, I didn't really have a consistent uh, teacher in those years. I was, I, I really consider myself to be self-taught all the way uh, until I got into college. And, and so I basically learned to play the trumpet out of sheer will and forcing it to happen. Which is not a good thing, by the way. <laughs> you really, you really have to, um, you really have to learn how to play the trumpet the easiest way that you possibly can, and um, because it's an extraordinarily physical instrument, and yes. it, it, it involves all of your senses except for taste. Although uh, somewhere in there, it's probably there, but like, <laughs> um, and smell, but like. Um, but um well if your trumpet stinks then you're probably not yeah, going to enjoy it. it. There you go. <laughs> um but, but um but it 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 just you have to you have to be able to focus all of these senses in one direction. Um and so um I yeah I was doing this just by force of will and um and um when I got into college I started to realize the shortcomings that I had um and um and that when I came out of high school I had a what we would call a bad embouchure you know like the way that I set my mouthpiece on you know on my lips and the way that I used my lips to produce the sound of the trumpet was inefficient to say the least it was it was like I said it was very forceful and so um uh, I went kind of on a search for probably 10 years of trying to find somebody that could, you know, 
get me to fix this and um and uh, and it it really did take a long time for me to find somebody who could put it in the simplest terms that I, you know that I needed to hear yeah. um and finally just convinced me which was a trumpet player who's on the east coast now i think he lives in connecticut i'm not sure uh, maybe he's in albuquerque now again cuz he's originally from albuquerque trumpet player named tony luhan um finally said brian you're working way too hard you know um and and this was after i had already studied with um another uh pretty well known trumpet player named bobby shoe s h e w bobby shoe i studied with bobby for about once a month for about 5 years ish in the early 90s and um taught me like a ton about jazz basically the trumpet lessons that i had with bobby were um i think it was a 2 hour lesson and the first hour we would do we would talk about chops. We would talk about embouchure and breathing, and and uh, and the, and sound. And then, and then the second half, we would just work on jazz, you know, improvisation and and jazz phrasing and playing and all of that. And um, and my embouchure at the time, like I said, was really not not working very well. And I think it was a source of frustration for Bobby because he really wanted to be able to help me with it. But he also realized he can't make me, you know, there's, there's a fine line between forcing somebody, you know, telling somebody, Hey, cause I did have a teacher earlier that told me if you don't change your embouchure, I'm not going to teach you. And I'm like, all right, then I, then you won't teach me, yeah. you know? So like you have to find the right way to, to say these things to people. I can't want this for you. It's basically, how yeah. I, that's basically what I tell people. It's like, listen, I can't want this for you, okay? You got to want it for yourself. <laughs> you know, I I recently heard a, a quote of Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. where he said, um, "Science can explain a lot of the what, yeah. but it can't explain the why." Yeah. And you know, as a, a this the same thing happens with teaching because I've been teaching now for twenty five years too and i can explain a lot of what occurs when you play and what you need to do to be able to play um and i've discovered a lot of these things what i need to do personally to be able to play and uh, but um the why the motivation you know of course in science that's a different thing why why did the stars why did the big boom happen who who knows why those are that's that, that's when you get into philosophy Exactly. Um, it's and I guess that's sort of the same thing we're talking about, you know, with people's motivation. You know, you as you have your own why as to why you're doing a podcast. You know, um, so um, I have my own why as as to you know what motivated me to keep playing the trumpet even when I was struggling so hard at it. Yeah. You know, it's different. You know. Um, I'm not saying that other people have a an advantage because they had, you know, a better um, foundation, you know, technically. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, it's I think it's probably propelled my journey in a different way than maybe other people would because I've had to discover so many things about how how this works, that um, and how to make what I do work better. That it's I've had to study a lot of different different ways to do it and um uh 
so it's 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 brought me from one teacher to another you know to teach me um to uh to discover you know all of these different things these different elements that are involved in playing and finally kind of come up with my own um it's not my own. There are certain universal truths yeah. about how to do it. <laughs> right. Um, but there are also as many different ways to play the trumpet as there are trumpet players. Exactly. Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with Brian Swartz. The track playing out the end of this episode is from Brian's latest album, To Be With You. The song is called To Be With You. And... Part two of my talk with Brian will be available on episode three coming up. So please uh, come back and listen to that. And thank you for listening. And thank you for taking time to watch it. It's such a joy to be with you. You make me smile, make me feel like love's new. But when you don't smile, you make me feel so A night with Wayne.